Live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. Everyone loves a good adventure. Whether you're into climbing the highest mountains, bungee jumping from the highest bridges, or in my case, going to my cousin's bar mitzvah in Delaware, a little bit of risk can bring on a rush of adrenaline that adds that excitement we all live for. But some people take adventure to the next level. With us today is Tamar Baraz, who happens to be that kind of person. Tamar is a journalist who travels to the most dangerous countries in the world to tell the stories of the people who live there. Her journeys led her to East Ukraine, Chad, Central Africa, Somalia, and even Afghanistan, where she couch surfed, and Iraq, where she ended up in prison. Tamal joins 2NJB to tell us about the extraordinary people that she met and the places she's seen. This podcast is made in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. So how did you end up in uh, prison in Iraq? That has to be the first question. Yeah, I, I didn't expect this question. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess, well, I should have. But uh, yeah, how did I end up? Well, that's what I'm asking myself, um, who, who caused this. I really don't know. I would like to know. But uh, what happened was... Uh, that I went to the to Najaf, the pilgrimage city in uh, Iraq, and I remember myself uh, sitting at the lobby um, doing my uh, work, and then uh, like um, three, four men with suits just show up and uh, they say hi. Um, they just uh, they they showed their uh, identity cards, and uh, they told me we are the muhabarat, uh, we are a FBI, like FBI. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> then, uh, That's incredible. yeah, it, it was not fun. And they took away all my uh, my laptop, my devices, my cell phone. And they what? They handcuffed you? They put you in a car? What what happened? Uh, well, it's it's like a long story. I'll try to make it short. But um, no, no, please don't. <laughs> please make it as uh, long as possible. Well, I mean, uh, actually, I did a, a lecture about it, and I measured it, and it took a whole hour with the censored version. So uh, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, well. But um, anyway, so uh, they like one guy grabs my computer, starts looking at it, and he's like, uh, "Why you have uh, Hebrew in your uh, computer?" And uh, then uh, the other one uh, like runs up to my room, um, looks into my bags, everything. Uh, they find my Israeli passport within like one second, so it, it was I had like a huge bag, so it really looked like somebody told them what to look for. Oh, no. And they found it, and they came down to the lobby, and um, they showed me. So the, someone it, snitched on you, maybe? So probably, uh, hmm. but I don't know who. Wait, before we get into that, so they came down, they they took you physically and put you in prison. Yeah. And you were there for how long? Uh, well, luckily, just a few days. Okay, it's yeah. a female prison, right? For for women. Yes. Yeah, it was a, it was more like a detention center. Uh, it's supposed to be for the place where you wait uh, for a judge. Uh, you're supposed to be there for a short time, but um, people are there for months. Uh, the longest was a whole year. So when they take you, what goes through your mind? <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. I was like, what the hell is yeah. happening? <laughs> what are you, are you thinking this is it? This is Tam- Tamar, yeah. this is how you go. 
Yeah, yeah, that that is how I thought. Uh, actually, in the there were a few interrogations during these days, and uh, the first sentence they told me is, uh, "We believe that you are a Mossad spy, so you are going to sit in jail for twenty years." Were you? Oh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, if you were, would you tell them or that us? Would, that would be how I would expect you to react with that giggle. <laughs> so I don't know. No, no, I did not react with that giggle. I, I, I can't even describe how it feels like when somebody tells you we think you're a spy and you're going to sit in jail for 20 years. No, not in jail. Uh, I'm saying if you were a Mossad spy and we asked you and you were trying to keep your cover, you would be like, ha ha, no. <laughs> no, but I'm kidding. So you were sitting there. They told you you were going to sit in jail for 20 years. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, obviously, you be- you have no reason not to believe them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just want to add that um, this spying uh, allegations is uh, unfortunately a very, very common uh, phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, any traveler who, who goes to like many countries unfortunately should expect that something like this can happen uh, because it became very common in the last few years. Because um, anyone can be a spy. And, yeah. you know, how and can you, you prove that you're not a spy? Exactly. <laughs> it's very hard. Because like. exactly. yeah, all you can say is, I'm not a spy. It's like, that's what a spy would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so let's rewind. <laughs> what the hell were you doing in Iraq? Well, um... I was in Jordan. I was uh, embassy chasing. Um, meaning? Meaning going to a bunch of countries that were on my list that I always wanted to write an article about them uh, and uh, seeing who will give me a visa, uh, which is a difficult task. And um, so everybody refused. Yemen said no. Uh, Libya said no. Uh, Pakistan, no. Everybody They know. know you're Israeli? No. No, no. It's just countries that refused to almost everybody. Uh-huh. It's very hard to get a visa to these places. I see. Yeah. And um, what was left uh, was what I saw through the taxi on the way. There was the Syrian embassy and the Iraqi embassy. They were pretty much close to each other. The Syrian embassy had a very, very, very long line. So I told the driver, okay, let's go to the Iraqi one and uh, try my luck. And I got a visa. Can we ask which passport, like, which citizenship you have, aside from an Israeli, the Israeli one? American. American, okay. Yeah. Which so. means that technically, I think you can also go to these places. I not can. me. I'm not. I'm an Israeli born and raised, but he can. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm not particularly He keen doesn't have on... a death wish, though. Yeah, I'm not keen on getting <laughs> sent to jail and being accused of a... Mo- Besides, a mo- his uh, mother would kill him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but we'll yeah. get to you. She would probably parents. snitch on me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Probably How old is this the Iraqi? <laughs> My son's over there. You should take him. He's a Mossad agent. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, it's not, it's not it's funny. Not funny. It's a joke. It's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, but okay. So you wanted to write an article about uh, where did this fascination come from? Where did this idea like, okay, I got to go to a really dangerous country and write an article what's wrong it. with you tomorrow basically <laughs> is what's what we're asking yeah well um nothing is wrong uh in my opinion at least um basically it started from like years ago i i came from the you know what some people call the west bank and others call judea and samaria i, I don't even know which term to use anymore uh so i came from that area i grew up in a settlement and um you grew up we, in the settlement yeah in a se- which uh I uh, don't know if you heard about it. He's from that area too, so... Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I, uh, my parents live now in a... But like right on the line. Where's Ginot Chamon? Uh, that's in the, the parallel road. 
the 55. Ah, so, okay. so we're living there in a settlement, you're used to a little bit of, uh, you know, well, danger. And basically, we were kind of put in a, in a box. Uh, you know, uh, you have a, a, a fence uh, around most settlements. And uh, right. basically, you're told from age zero that you cannot set a foot outside of the settlement, which seems normal at the time. But when you travel the world, including war zones, you see that this is a very, very uncommon right. thing that in most war zones in the world, you can at least uh, set a foot outside of your village. Uh, but it was not like that in our area. And uh, I became uh, very fascinated um, in, uh, you know, like breaking the some of the limits, um, exploring the area and... Uh, like a breaking me, boundaries yeah yeah um and uh, me and my friends we would uh, do uh, all these uh treks about once a week uh, each time somewhere else uh, around the uh, west bank um you know it's it's worth emphasizing that many um such little trips in the history of the territories of mm. jewish settlers mm. ended up with murders with brutal yeah. murders so it's risky it's yeah. not yeah it's not an area that you that there's clear signage like you can easily stumble down a path end up in a village that is extremely or being hostile, ambushed or being ambushed or be ambushed a, yeah yeah well mm. that that's the the we kind of took advantage of it we kind of stumbled by accident uh to areas that we wanted to stumble mm -hmm. there by accident and um so not by accident yeah <laughs> never something uh risky occurred on those journeys outside of your settlement's boundaries what the riskiest thing that ever happened was uh that the uh, the police of the Palestinian Authority uh, stopped us mm. and uh, we pretended to be tourists. That's what we always did. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they really wanted to take us to the police station in uh, Nablus or Shrem. Uh, and uh, I kind of negotiated our way out of it. Okay, so you um, had some experience with talking your way out of uh, <laughs> dangerous situations. Well, I, I, I don't... To be frank, that's not my uh, best skill, but it, it so <laughs> happened that during that time there, there was some kind of peace talk, there was something going on, and they had the interest of keeping things quiet. Okay, okay. There's still a collaboration between the Palestinian. I mean, we yeah. just had Barak Ravid here, and he was talking about how much collaboration there is with the Palestinian police force and Israel. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, well, maybe that, less. That was years ago. Yeah. That, yeah. that was, was years less. ago. So, so you got a little bit... Mm. So you liked that sense of excitement that you felt as you... And that adventurous... It, it was not just excitement. Uh, it was not just, uh, I'm bored, I'm looking for adventure. I mean, it, it was that too. But um, it was also, uh, you know, just trying to learn more about our area, about the, the people there. Uh, we met lots of nice people. We, uh, we hitchhiked a lot. We uh, camped a lot. We sat with Bedouins a lot, um, went into villages, uh, saw nice places. Uh, it was you really... have the advantage of having English like as your, I mean, base, I'm assuming your parents are American. Yeah. So English as your mother tongue, which allows you to kind of get by yeah. as a tourist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas someone Israeli who might get caught, yeah, sounds a yeah. you know a little different. You and don't look like you have a <laughs> Lebanese father. As I I can see why the cop, the Iraqi cop. Um, oh well, that yeah, well that it. story. Straight up um, Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> <laughs> the Iraqi Sherlock Holmes. Isn't Tamar? I mean, is Tamal 
can it be an Arabic name? Isn't it clearly, but or maybe is it just they don't Ar- know. Arabs don't know that Tamar is a Hebrew word? Well, uh, I guess if if I um, meet a Palestinian or, or a Lebanese, then yeah, they would know. Yeah, um, but not an Iraqi. So Iraqi, wait, yeah. but but we're getting dispersed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, back to Eitan's original question. Okay, so you traveled mm-hmm. in your area of your settlement, is mm-hmm. But from that, from that, how do you do the leap of going abroad to such places? I was very uh, gradual. I went to Ethiopia and I was very curious about Somaliland. Um, and it was very easy. You just have to go to the Somaliland embassy. You get a visa in half an hour and you go in. And um, when is that? That was 2014. Okay. Uh, and um, th- I started discovering that some places are less uh, risky than what people make out of them. So I started going to places that um, that are less risky but have a risky reputation. So places like that would be uh, Iraqi Kurdistan in 2014 and uh, Chad um there's a few others but they kind of popped out of my mind um iraqi kurdistan at that time was was relatively safe uh it still is uh relatively safe uh, if you go to places like uh erbil and uh Duhok and uh Suleymaniya, uh places like that so um they are relatively safe um also chechnya and dagestan uh in the russian federation uh they have like the worst reputation in the world but they are like one of the safest places so you go to that iraqi embassy and just uh, they give you the visa mm-hmm. and then you just cross the border from um no uh, Jordan or you couldn't cross the border at the time i think maybe you still can't uh, i just i had to take a flight okay so you so took you... a flight and yeah. then what did you discover there yeah i mean you went there with the the intention of writing an article yeah so you did you have any idea about what you wanted to write this article, or were you was your plan to just land and find a story? Well, I had some uh, ideas, um, but they just didn't uh, materialize uh, because it was it was very hard to uh, get people to uh, speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't speak Arabic. No, no, um, and it's also there was lots of accessibility issues like uh you want to speak to this ngo but um their branch is in iraqi kurdistan if i go there i can't go back mm-hmm. to iraq uh their people on ground are in other places you cannot access these places it was a whole it was very difficult so i kind of ended up uh doing other subjects so what what ended up uh coming about like what was how did you find the, your story and what, and what was it and what was it yeah, um, well, one story was uh, about the prostitution in Iraq. Um, there, I did find the organization that uh, would speak to me, and other things there were, were kind of by chance. Like, I'm sitting with uh, people I met. They told me about... Um, uh, they told me about uh, their the brothels in Baghdad, and then they told me that their uh, friend works in something that is... Not exactly a brothel, but something close to that. What do you and, mean uh, you sit with people you like? Uh, couch surfing, yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. So yeah. you couch surfed your way through Iraq? Um, not th- not everywhere, but uh, yeah, in some of the places. With the website couch surfing, the web, the actual website couch surfers, it it works, it operates there. Yeah, it does. Wow. And uh, I was the first uh, actual couch surfer. 
uh, there. I mean, there were hosts that were that signed up and were waiting uh, for someone to stay in their house. That's and so uh, sad. <laughs> I was the first one who came. So describe to us that, please. Okay, so you get, for example, in, um, in Baghdad, for mm-hmm. example, so you were in such a house? Yeah. Who were the people? What was the house like? Was it a family, a single, a girl, a boy? Who, what? Uh, it was uh, families, um, good people. Uh, of course, they had no clue where I'm from. Uh-huh. I told all of them that I'm American. Um, How did they knew then, English? Yeah. And so you're sitting with these families and they bring up, I mean, prostitution. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the one of the brothers, it wasn't the, them themselves, not the host. It was like they're friends of friends. Okay. It wasn't, they were not directly involved. Uh, so this story started materializing about prostitution. And, yeah. But I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't like, uh, like prostitution happening in, in Baghdad. Yeah. Okay, so how what what started forming? Like what was this? Um well, yeah, so I meet this like friend of a friend, um and he takes me to this uh what they would call Malcha, which is like uh this place with uh hookahs and argilas. Um men sit there, they smoke, uh they do karaoke, and you have some uh waitresses. Um dancing around and serving them you know the the hookah stuff mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, some of them or maybe all it wasn't clear uh, hand them their numbers and uh, they that's how they make more money contact so they give them yeah. their numbers and then later they call and so you were discovering this whole it's this an whole... more underground um in a sense because how un- it's not that underground because it's in the most like famous building in the city and everybody knows it exists it, right. it's just so what police... was spe- special is a weird word for it but you know what dif- differentiates the prostitution what because it's a muslim country and so that or where do, where do the women come from are they are they iraqis or mm. yazidis or mm. Well, um, basically, I mean, prostitution, of course, it's everywhere and everywhere. It's like some uh, similar issues, women that really, uh, you know, life was not so kind to them. Uh, Specifically in Iraq, what you have very often is um, girls that uh, either had to um, run away from their families um, or women that uh, divorced or that their husbands died or deserted them or whatever. Uh, usually women alone. And uh, in Iraq, it's like very hard for women to find a job. Uh, it's, there's uh, very few jobs that a woman can do. So, of course, that's kind of paves your way to prostitution very often. If you're often. not supported by a, by a man, then you yeah. find yourself in that weakened yeah. position. Okay. And so you, you spoke to these women? Uh, yeah, as much as I could, um, basically in, in that, in the Malcha, it it was, (laughs) it was a really strange situation. Like, uh, I asked him if I can speak to the women and, uh, their pimp was like right there. And he kind of like, as a jester, uh, allowed me to speak to them, but it was very tense. It was like, you can be with them only for five minutes in the car and then they have to go back to work and, it was all like, and and the people that were with me were very concerned about my uh, 
my safety. Like I'm talking to this girl in the car and then the, this other worker in, in this uh, place starts uh, flirting with me and they're like, okay, come on, go, go, let's go. We're getting out of here. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, did you have to pay to be with them? Like no. for that time? No? <laughs> no. Okay. And so you would speak to these women and what would they what would they tell you? I mean, other than, you know... Well, the one I spoke with, um, she married when she was like 15, which is unfortunately, it's something that became very common in Iraq since uh, the American invasion. Uh, she was 15? Yeah, she was married 15. Um, they, they did have an increase in uh, child brides and teenage brides mm -hmm. uh, ever since 2003. Um, she was married at 15. Yeah, she was and married. And at the time you were speaking with her, how old was she? Uh, she was like 26, I think. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, so he was uh, he, he was uh, drunk. He would beat her up, uh, her and her two girls. So at some point, uh, she just uh, left him. She told him, just don't, don't pay me anything. I'm just, just get, give me my divorce. And mm -hmm. that's our deal. And so he did. And she left him. And um, she did not have a big family i mean uh, it was just her old uh, father and her mom so she had to support herself and her two girls so uh, that's what she's doing and in the end you wrote an article right and it got published in haaretz i yeah. think also in haaretz in english or just hebrew uh, i can't remember that. okay if if we'll, <laughs> we'll find the english it. one we'll link to it yeah. but, but let's get to the prison again yeah <laughs> Back to the prison! Yay! No, so you, so you're, you're interviewing these women, and mm -hmm. then uh, you were there for how long, in total? Like in until, until you got arrested. I think three weeks. Three oh, weeks. So you're interviewing. You're getting yeah. to, to to to. You're discovering this story. You're finally yeah. getting in touch with these women. You're meeting with them, and then one day you're back mm -hmm. at the hotel, and this mm -hmm. happens. Yeah. The Iraqi FBI. <laughs> the, the, you know, like the FBI. <laughs> the Sherlock Holmes. The Iraqi, like the FBI, show up. That's actually their literal, uh, that's their official name. Like FBI. So they show up yeah. and they arrest you. Yeah. And then they tell you, you have 20 years in prison because you're a Mossad agent. Yeah. Your heart must be beating at yeah. know, 200 <laughs> beats per minute. Yeah. And, and what happens? Oof, uh, that's a long one. Um, well, it, it was like a few very intensive uh, days. Um, did they interrogate you? Yeah, yeah, they did. Of course, asked um, many questions. Um, Were the interrogations, uh, uh, I don't know how to put this, physical? polite? No, no, no. They, they were polite. Uh, yeah. They were not physical, meaning they didn't. No, thank they God. No. Well, they, they pissed know. the US of A once and it didn't end very well for yeah. them. So I guess they wouldn't want to piss them out again. So there were no there were no type of coercive questioning. There was no type of like, no, in, they, not physical even like, I don't know, playing loud music, keeping you awake, that kind of stuff. No, no, nothing. Uh, there weren't any questions of like who sent you and, and things like that. It, it was like there was no questions that they would have asked the spy. Um, it was just like, 
what are you doing? Where did you go? Which countries did you travel? What did you do in this and that country? And, What's your uh, favorite color? <laughs> it's like, it's like the, yeah, after all, they are like the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. You prefer Ringo? or? <laughs> yeah. uh, but, oh, but, but they found your Israeli passport, you told us. Yeah. So they knew you were an Israeli by then. Yeah. Which by itself is an offense, right? Well, uh... <laughs> Basically, they have a law against uh, allowing Israelis to enter. But yeah. um, the thing is that there are many countries that have this law. Like, it's been there for like, I don't know, like 70 years or something. And it's not always, um, not everybody's aware of it all the time. It's like sometimes it's just like written there. But, you know, people don't take it that much seriously. Um so it's like they themselves didn't mention ever that, oh, uh, it's illegal for an Israeli to be here. So that in itself it's an, is an offense. Right. Um, and did you get to have a phone call? No, of course not. <laughs> Nothing? No, they took everything. So um, like your parents, you couldn't get in touch with them? No, not, not even with the American embassy. They, they were hiding me from the embassy. So, so um, how long did you end up uh, staying in prison? Uh, luckily, just um, like four or five days. Four or five days. Yeah. And between the investigations, you're in a cell by yourself or with other wi women? With, uh, I was with 12 women in the cell. Um, how was it? It, it was... Uh, <laughs> midnight... Uh, how is it called? The, the no, film? no. <laughs> Express? No, well, midnight the, Express? The thing about uh, that detention center is um, that uh, roommates were very nice, normal women because unlike other countries... Um, most of the women are not supposed to be there in the first place. So you, you're basically, you're just sitting with like women that never committed a crime, just right. like regular women like me and you. And they just happen to be there for like many uh, stupid reasons. Like um, there were two women uh, who were um, renting an apartment together. And then one of the neighbors just decided that they are prostitutes. Uh, and just uh, told on them. Um, wow. Yeah. Then there was uh, there was a story there of uh, some uh, theft in the in a local bank, and um, because when there's something like that, uh, I guess the Iraqi way is just to arrest everyone and then check who did it by process of elimination. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, That's how the Iraqi you... FBI. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so basically. Um, like the, the i think there were like a dozen of women arrested then they were most of them were released like after 6 months and uh then i was with the last two um who were waiting there like 11 months how was the food uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's a question i i get very often um and it wasn't that bad i expected it to be very bad actually when, when the, i expected uh it to be like an what I heard when I did an interview in Africa, I, I once interviewed a guy who was in prison in Congo. And he's telling me about, uh, you know, that there's no room to stand. Uh, they're all like on top of each other. Um, they're all like, uh, uh, how, how do you, you know, the bathroom, it's, it's not a bathroom. It's just a corner of the room. Mm. There's a pile of feces over there. Then they choose the, the weakest prisoner and he has to clean it with his hand and, and throw it out or... All these descriptions uh, and bed bugs and body lice and all that stuff. And that's what I expected. Um, but it was more like, 
Like the physical conditions were more like a bachelor's apartment in Kabul, which is, which is also <laughs> Sounds not... Sounds luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, a bachelor's party. Like, a bachelor's residence in Kabul. Wow. Which is like a small like, I don't know if I can room. imagine what that is. That's like a reference that is just completely yeah, detached from me. Your world of references is like <laughs> very weird. Very different than, than, than ours. ours. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's okay. So, I mean, I'm imagining that that's not that bad. Well, it, compared to what you hear about prisons, no. But um, it's like, nonetheless, it's still a very, very depressing place. Yeah. Right? Basically, you have, you get two hours a day in the sun. Uh, you go to the yard, but... Uh, the space that you get, it's like you have 30 women crowding uh, in the space of like half a room. It's yeah. like, so you don't walk. You never walk there. There's no place to walk. You just sit all day. And, you know, at some point your knees kind of hurt because you're just sitting all day. Do you have a window in the cell? Uh, no. No, we like, we had a small, very small hole. It's very depressing. Fan. Yeah. So, okay, so, so four days. Yeah. And how did you get out? Uh, well, very luckily, the American embassy uh, found out uh, what happened. Wow. Uh, and they did all the efforts, and uh, that's how we got out. Rescued by the Americans. <laughs> it reminds me of the story yeah. now with Trump and, uh, and the Chinese. And the basketball <laughs> players. <laughs> did you say thank you, Trump? No, this wasn't. <laughs> when was this? This was in Obama's. Yeah. yeah. But did you say that... thank you to Obama for saving <laughs> You know, you heard the story. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, um, you want to it? Trump basically <laughs> just like, well, he claims that he got two uh, NCAA, I think they were college basketball right. players, out of prison in China. <laughs> yeah. They were in prison for shoplifting or something. And they didn't say thank you. So he was very upset. <laughs> And he then tweeted about it. They didn't tell, say thank you. And then yeah. the father... Yeah, their dad was on CNN. Who's an African-American, I think, also. Yeah. So he has this style. And he's very, like, <laughs> sassy about... He's I'm like, not if, saying thank you. If you need my thank you, then I don't know what you... You know, I don't know what the story is there. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. So you so, didn't say thank you, dude. You have the opportunity yeah. now to thank Trump. No, I'm <laughs> In retrospect. For... <laughs> So, okay, so the American embassy uh, uh, airlifted you out of there with a helicopter. <laughs> Basically. And took you back home. But how did you get from Iraq back to Israel? Uh, well, basically, um, I got on the, on the plane for uh, expats and foreigners and embassy workers. It was, it's like a special uh, plane. An ex-Iraqi cons. Uh, that was you. They had one seat for you. Ex-Iraqi con. <laughs> <laughs> No, because, I mean, technically now you're an ex-Iraqi convict. Uh, I, I didn't think of myself that way. Uh, I think I don't have a file under my name, hopefully, because uh, yeah. I, I was acquitted, actually. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, thanks to pressure from the Americans. From above, yeah. <laughs> and, and thanks to the fact that uh, they actually uh, looked... Through my computers, my emails, my cell phone, uh, anything they could, my invoice, every, every, everything, and just couldn't find any proof that I was a spy. Basically, um, when the Muhabarat uh, like FBI uh, submitted their material, which was, of course, in handwriting, um, so uh, their uh, material included two uh, proofs that I was a spy. Uh, proof number one, 
being uh, an Israeli citizen. And proof number two, uh, contacting Iraqi youth, which I did. Um, what they were referring to was the couchsurfing. Wow. They yeah. have really, uh, really high standards of evidence. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I actually, I spent like... Uh, maybe half an hour just trying to explain what couchsurfing is uh, because they just couldn't get it. They kept asking again and again, like, what, what couch, what, huh? And <laughs> they just, and, and at some point uh, they were like, uh, you know, I, I don't uh, want to insult you, but uh, in, in the couchsurfing, did you do uh, sex? <laughs> it's really? Not, no, no, that's sexcouchsurfing.com. That's a different <laughs> website, sir. You got it all wrong. <laughs> I'm a Mossad yeah. agent. I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm. Uh... <laughs> okay. Now the thing, the problem we have tomorrow is mm-hmm. that you have been in so many fascinating places, and mm-hmm. time is of the essence here. Um, it's pressuring. Um, let's do a, a quick like segue to Africa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And in Africa, you've been to few countries, interested countries, mm-hmm. but maybe we'll focus on Somalia. If that's yeah. okay, because I understand it's pretty rare for a reporter to up- uphold herself. How how would you say like to survive to to stay there for ten days or? Um, no, actually, uh, surviving is not the hard part. It's it's uh, the money, basically. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, uh, basically, the minute you enter the airport, they don't allow you to um to get out of the airport without having someone drive you to a specific hotel any hotel or a compound or something mm-hmm. um because if, if you don't have these they just they, they put you back in the plane back to wherever you came from what do you mean they don't allow you i didn't understand once you land you have to drive to a specific hotel or compound or just anything like any place you're saying where... if you don't have a reservation before like if you haven't planned something out before yeah yeah or and someone who's uh, vouching for you and taking you from the airport to this uh closed compound whatever it may be uh-huh. and that's how all foreigners uh have been working in the last uh at least 10 years so how is that an issue of money well uh basically all the compounds uh they will not allow you to exit the compound um without an armed vehicle plus a militia of like 10 men with guns ah so you're saying it's a very expensive ordeal yeah yeah so this is why you don't have many reporters in somalia because they can only afford very first of all very rich reporters with maybe probably backings of very big media organizations yeah they can only afford a very short time yeah uh and um then there's the question what a uh, news outlet would like to spend money on. And uh, unfortunately, Africa has always been uh, like very <laughs> like last... low on the priority. Yes, list. low on the priorities. Uh, unfortunately, even though there's uh, you have there all the time scandals that if they would have happened in Europe or Asia, it would be like <laughs> the worst. Thing. It would make yeah, headlines. headlines yeah, but world. nobody cares about Africa. So how were you there for so long? How- it was 10 days, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, 10 days was kind of by mistake. <laughs> I didn't expect that I will not be able to go out uh, as often. Uh, but but I'm, I'm happy I did it. Then <laughs> you get there, you get to Sumeria. What, yeah. what, uh, do you, what are you looking for there, basically? Um, well, basically looking to, first of all, see what is Somalia. What is this place that very few people went to? Uh, and... 
hoping to see like to get to get an article which was a very big challenge it's hard to get an article when you're uh locked in a compound and cannot get out um is it but, really as dangerous as people think well that that's what i was wondering about um because if you count the number of terror attacks it's it's not more dangerous than uh Kabul in Afghanistan. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because you've been there. I was yeah. expecting you to say Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, of course, compared to Brussels, uh, Somalia is not a safe place. But basically, yeah. uh, it's not more dangerous than Afghanistan. But in Afghanistan, uh, you do have reporters living there, mm -hmm. uh, walking around relatively freely. Um, I myself took taxis from the street over there. Uh, in Somalia, you cannot even go outside of the compound just to uh, shop nearby. Mm -hmm. um, so, so is it justified? Is it actually that dangerous? That, that's what I was asking myself the whole time. That that was actually sort of the subject of my article uh, mm -hmm. about being stuck in the compound. Um, and basically, um, what was the conclusion? Well, what first of all, what I was told um, by. Uh, you know, people who are in the aid organizations is that um, the there the aid organizations are a target. Uh, so uh, basically, if if you're if you're white and you're just out there, it's not a question if you'll be attacked, but when will you be attacked? Oh, okay. Um, it's so, not like you're uh, you've got immunity as an aid worker, where no. where you might in Kabul or somewhere else. And couple was, if there is immunity, it's, it's very partial. Um, like a short time before I went there, there was uh, an aid worker who was kidnapped by the Taliban. Mm, so okay. it, it's never 100. And there were other cases there of aid workers who were kidnapped or killed or but whatever. But in Somalia, but it's a very clear, you're a very clear target. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, but also, I sometimes have the suspicion that maybe there are people who benefit from this um because all the hotels there um would not let you uh exit the hotel uh without mm. this uh very expensive uh <laughs> you can't you can't go see the beautiful streets of mogadishu so how about you stay in for a spa <laughs> uh not a, do they have a spa there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know <laughs> well, how do they benefit from the fact that you have well, to stay in the hotel. The secure. Well, that's just my. Uh, I'm not sure about it. It's, it's just my guessing that maybe my theory, uh, I but I have no way to really prove it. But uh, basically, this the security is expensive. Uh, when you hire security, mm. you hire security from some clans. Mm -hmm. uh, in Somalia, you give a job to one person, you kind of give a job to his clan. Um, so it's very beneficial to it's not politics. Also, I don't know if it's politics but basically they, they got to this bizarre situation that uh there was no compound anywhere in town that would allow um a white guy to just walk outside mm -hmm. it's sort of almost like a prison um and when i asked what happens if if a guy does that if he just wanders the street uh so i was told that it was basically the police would just pick him up mm -hmm. And ask him who's uh, who brought you here. It reminds a little of North Korea, maybe what we hear about North Korea. No, maybe no, a little different. more extreme, but but the sense that you're no, always monitored and you know. No, 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 no. And actually, uh, in Somalia, there's no issue of monitoring. There's no. 
if as a foreigner you don't have a problem of freedom of speech or it sounds like the opposite like there's zero monitoring like like and that's what lets all these tribes or these clans kind of just do whatever they want well that is already a more complex subject which uh, i'll be frank I, i don't know enough about um but when it comes to the the foreigner it's not like it's not one of these places where they you know listen to your phone or at least as least that's what i heard um it's just uh, um it's more like for your safety kind of a thing right mm-hmm. very regulated but but did you meet sumelians in the end of the day on uh, your journey like unfortunately no huh no wow. not really that must be so frustrating it was it was you're there like, i know you're already there <laughs> yeah days. and and you know actually it's not the only country that that has this issue uh there are a few more countries that have like a same kind of tourism that, that you go there and um you, you can be there only a few days you are supervised you cannot walk freely you cannot really interact um there, there are it's it's part of extreme tourism sort of in that sense it is kind of like north korea i guess and that's that you that you can't really meet the you can't be a journalist in the sense that you can it's go heavily and meet the regulated people. yeah 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 so just i have to ask what do your parents and family think about this how can they <laughs> how can they process that how are you still in the inheritance at all <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> i didn't check that <laughs> and yet well um when articles were published they were proud um You know, and they said that we're proud of you and, and all that. But of course, it's not easy for them. It wasn't easy at the time. And, and now they are, you still, they still try to convince you not to go or uh, are they like... Now it's not much of an issue because I kind of slowed down the activity for I now. See. Yeah. I see. So... Do you have plans? What's next on the, uh, on the agenda list. for Tamal Baraz? Well, um, there's never a detailed plan because the places I want to go are always places that are hard to, hard to get in. Mm. So it's always like decided on the last minute. But what's like a place you would love to go? Oh, there's a bunch of places uh, that uh, any journalist would love to enter, but it's, it's all places that are very uh, difficult uh, to enter. Like so, what? Uh, Pakistan, Libya, uh, Algeria, um, Sudan, South Sudan. When uh, you say would love to enter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, when you say would love to enter, is there no element of like fear, I guess is the word? Is there it's, no it's element? It's there. Of, of course it's there. I mean... I, I don't think there are, there are many that would not be afraid at all but I mean we all uh, overcome lots of fears all yeah, the time but I I'm mean, saying how long does it linger do you does it even linger do you think twice uh, sometimes I think too much uh, sometimes I try not to think um, like I mean I do the same thing that we all do I mean I, th- I think uh, I'm trying to understand uh, people who are who are taking mortgages really <laughs> that's a big risk, <laughs> yeah, but uh people yeah. tell themselves what they tell themselves so that they will uh, buy the house 
Yeah, but you know, if you take a I mortgage, I mean, I sorry, but yeah. I think many people would argue that you have to be to be a little bit crazy or have some kind of a death wish to go to such countries. Um, no, not everyone who goes there has a death wish. That's uh some I do think that's a myth no I don't, well maybe maybe there's some I mean I don't know all people who went there I met people who are uh, who go to risky places uh, I met plenty of them um I think of it like uh, you know uh, to me if you do an extreme sport mm-hmm. okay I'm a very conservative uh, to me if if you do an extreme sport you do extreme extreme sport no okay. no I'm actually uh afraid of these things okay that's my point <laughs> if you do extreme sport to, for me You are dancing with death, okay, okay, so like you are a little bit crazy to do that mm-hmm. to do band because you flirt you're flirting with death, basically, mm-hmm. and to me, it's a little bit the same, like what you do mm-hmm. is a kind of an extreme sport, I think mm-hmm. that's how I see it i don't know i i I would say, and i'm I'm not trying to do like a psychoanalysis, but i'm I would <laughs> say that that uh and we've talked about this before that like there's uh Uh, what's his name Johann Sebastian I think or something no that's anyway that's yeah. yeah there's a there's a there's a journalist mm-hmm. that uh, you always forget his name I always forget his name <laughs> never mind anyway, the perfect storm that was his but it was that was his book but there was a journalist who went to Iraq and he mm-hmm. talked about the the soldiers and mm-hmm. how they developed this camaraderie mm-hmm. under like extreme conditions mm-hmm. and that's what would make them want to go back and Okay, and, and people would look at them and they would come back to America and they'd have this safe life and they would say, why are they wanting to go back to the war zone? Do they have a mm. death wish? I met so people there, like that. Yeah. There you have kind mm. of an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's that sense of brotherhood. But you're going here alone mm. to these mm-hmm. places. It's not like you're developing deep, I mean, you probably are developing connections mm-hmm. and you have connections with people, mm-hmm. but it's not these, these deep connections where you're experiencing life and death situations, I don't know, with certain people or maybe... Maybe you are, maybe that's it. I don't know, but it seems like you're going alone there and you're mm-hmm. taking this risk all alone. Is mm-hmm. it like a, I mean would you say you're an adrenaline junkie in any way, or um I was at some point of my life, uh, yeah, but not the whole time. There were just some places that uh, I didn't go there for the adrenaline. I was just interested or I had the chance to go there, so I was like curiosity why not yeah, curiosity. Yeah, that's the main thing. Okay, well, keep look, being curious. I feel we're doing amazing work. Yeah, I feel we touched Thanks. the tip of the iceberg, really. <laughs> um, but um, if we have listeners who are interested, you give lectures, yeah. I guess both in Hebrew and English. Yeah, I do. So you know, if you're listening to this and you're in America, you want to invite Tamar for like a tour <laughs> of lectures in the States, I think she'll be up for it, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't been there in a while. There we are. It's not dangerous enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you can depends, go where, yeah. depends where. Depends <laughs> where. Um, <laughs> If you guys are interested, I'm sure you also have lectures online, right? Uh, like stuff that they can watch. I have, I have a sample, yeah. Yeah, okay. And um, you have, uh, you're in the social media and stuff? Yeah. Where, how do we find you? Um, Facebook. Yeah, okay. I'll post, yeah. post a link to Facebook. Awesome. Okay. So before we go... Mm-hmm. We have two collaborations. One is mm-hmm. with the Jewish Journal of Los Angeles. It's a mm-hmm. Jewish uh, website and newspaper mm-hmm. in uh, America, and they mm-hmm. report about Jewish issues, and mm-hmm. it's a fascinating newspaper and website. Mm-hmm. So you've got to check, it out. check mm-hmm. them out at uh, 
jewishjournal.com. Mm-hmm. And then... And the second is uh, Secret Tel Aviv. They have a website, secrettelaviv.com. But they started oh. as a... You know them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they started as a Facebook group. Now they have 170,000 members. Um, so it's pretty, pretty big. Um uh, well, you should share your articles there. I'm sure people would be fascinated right. to see it. Sure. But um, Secret Tel Aviv, it also has great like recommendations for restaurants and discussion. events. But also interesting discussions. And yeah. uh, check them out, secrettelaviv.com. And that's it. Tamar, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. It was really fascinating. Thank you so fascinating. much. Thanks. Thanks.